0: Hey man, we are here to celebrate moms. I had to get close to my wife while she was signing and I kicked my water out in the middle of the floor. I was like, man, if Jesse steps on that, that's going to make for a very interesting and entertaining sign. But thank God she did not step on that water bottle. Amen. I do want to take a moment. Because I get to. That's the perk of being a pastor that has the microphone, right? Y'all have to sit through whatever I say. That's, that's, that's y'all's problem, not mine. But I do get to stand up here and acknowledge a couple women in my life who have been fantastic, amazing, strong, beautiful, amazing women. One would be my mother in the back of the room back there who is still wiping her face from the tears. <laughs> uh, it's been a long-running joke. Uh, not a joke, but just a a... a, a a family thing of just how emotional my mother is. We remember, um, just a quick story, I remember me and my wife, we know my mom is very emotional, right? We know my mom's very sensitive when it comes to her kids and her grandbabies, which I'm sure a lot of you are, okay? I get it. But uh, so me and Karma, we've never been like like super comfortable around hyper emotional. You know, like just like, we're just like, "Eh, it's kind of... And so we thought, we know what? We're going to get mom something that won't tear her up, you know, you can't get her cards and write in it anything soft and mushy. Um, I think my siblings try to outdo one another on who can make the mother cry the most <laughs> at holidays. Like, between that sister and that sister, they take it personal on who can make my mom cry the hardest. I, on the other hand, I'm like, let me just make her smile. I, I, she is crying her heart out. Let's make her laugh for a minute, right? And so I'm just like, I'm just like, let's do something different. And so we're like, we could get her a picture, frame up some pictures of the grandbabies. That won't be that bad, you know? <laughs> oh dear God! <laughs> she was in the back seat of our car. We said here, and we handed it to her, and we didn't hear from her for like 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All <we heard> was <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Like, it was just pictures. Like, she's like, but these are my grandbabies. And, and it's like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> like, ah, it 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 backfired. I got more tears from that than I would a card that just gushed about how amazing she was as a mom. Should I? <laughs> yes, exactly. And then I get to stand up here and rave about the incredible gift that God gave me almost 15 years ago and my wife, and uh, I get to watch her be a mom every day, and it is not easy. It is not easy. I don't make it much easier. I try sometimes. But often I also add to the burden. And um, moms are so special, right? They're like, the, they're like the, judic- the adjudicators between dads and kids. You know, they're the ones who come to the dad and say, hey, ease up, they're not, it's okay. They, she explains the kids to me, look, they've had a long day, let's, let's give them some grace. And then she's the one who explains me to the kids, dad loves you, he did not mean to go off on you like that. <laughs> he adores you, remember, daddy loves you. And I'm just in the back room like, because yeah, okay, somebody's got to say it because I'm so angry right now. Uh, and so yeah, yeah, there's a lot of explaining going on at my house, okay? Because I don't get everything, and and then I don't always do everything right. So I'm very thankful for a mom in my life, both my mom and my wife, who has done that and explained me to my kids and me to my dad. You know, there's a lot of times my mom had to say, "Honey, don't kill him." Like, don't. <laughs> Don't kill him. He's he's a good kid at heart. It's just, it ain't coming out in his actions right now, okay? <laughs> Give him some grace, hon. You know, she was always, she'll always tell you she was my biggest defender because this guy needed a lot of defending when he was growing up, right? And so I thank uh, God for those two women. I thank God for all of the mothers that I've had an incredible opportunity of getting to know. My two sisters, I got many friends who are just, I learned from. Here's the thing, man. I learn from every mother that I come in contact with. One mom doesn't operate and, and, and hold every role in everyone's life. It is, a, it is a mixture of people that come into your life and can speak into your life and demand something out of you that you didn't know was there. That's what moms are really good at, right? They're good at putting in things you need and then calling on the thing when it's needed and teaching you how to do those things. And so I want to celebrate the moms. Today is a beautiful day, but I also want to take a moment, if you would allow me, to recognize that even with all the beauty of what today is for most of us, there is also some hardship on Mother's Day for those who have lost a mom. Maybe she's no longer with us and she isn't getting to watch the kids grow and she's not there to help you with everything that you wish that the mother would be there for. Moms are special, man. They hold a special place. They, they do things that dads can't do. They, they, they speak in ways that dads can't speak. And, and it's, it's a beautiful thing because I believe the Lord Jesus really put a high prize on mothers. Um, if you remember, his very, one of his very last things that he did while he was on the cross was he spoke to John and he said, Look, behold your mom. And he was talking about his mom. This was Jesus' mom, Mary. But he looked at John and said, hey, look, look over to your right. That's your mom. And, you know, some people, some people say it's because that, you know, Jesus was basically telling John, take care of my mom. And I believe that probably had a little bit to do with it. But I also believe that, that Jesus was saying, hey, listen to her. Listen to this mother. Pay attention to what she says. Because don't you remember? She was the one who kick-started Jesus' ministry. At the wedding, she was like, hey, we need wine. Make wine. Did you said, it ain't my time. She said, now, hey, I'm your mom, okay? I brought you in this world. I can take you out, okay? You're going to do what mom says. You know, he could have played the Jesus card, okay? all right, But he didn't. He submitted to his mother. It's a beautiful picture of the sovereign Lord giving place to mothership, to motherhood, saying, hey, listen to what your mom says. Kids, adults in this room, I don't care how old you are, listen to your mom. I say that with a heavy heart because I've not always done that, right? right? When you get to a certain age, you think that uh, kid knows best. Kid knows best. That's not always true. Just going to be honest with you. It's not always true. But Jesus put a high prize on mothers. And so it's very special. When a mother's gone, it's, it's impossible to really replace what is lost for us, but we serve a God, right? And we're going to get into some of this stuff, right? Some of, it, some of us, it's hard because maybe, maybe there's a strain in your relationship between your mother and you, right? Not every relationship in the world is good. Sometimes parent and kid can be one of the most difficult dynamics to kind of weigh out and walk through because there's a, 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 a struggle for power and authority over oneself, and it gets that way really badly as the, the kid grows. And so maybe there's some things where mama tried to tell you what to do. You didn't like it. Now things are tight. I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit of a, strain, a strained relationship for you. And you just wish it was better. But right now, it's not. Right now, it's not. Maybe, maybe and here's one of the hardest ones. Maybe you're in here. Or maybe you're listening on Facebook. And in your brain, in your mind, in your dreams, your visions, you have wanted to be a mom with everything you have. Like you have dreams at night about being a mother. And your mind and your heart is like, gosh, I want it. But then your body is sabotaging that dream. And you just can't. Can't produce that life. And so Mother's Day becomes very hard because all it does is remind you of what you wish you could do, what you wish you could have. And while you're watching everyone have kids run up and play and talk and tell their mothers how much they love them, you're standing there wishing that you had a kid. You see, because with all these incredible days that we come in contact with where we celebrate people and things, there is always a subset of group of people that aren't exactly in the same place that we are having the ability to enjoy this moment. With everything they have. But today I believe that God has given me a word for all of those people. And, if, and even if you're not a mother, I'll be talking to you because you are a child. Because before you were a mother, you were first a child. And you first endured the child to mother relationship. And now you may be enjoying the mother to child relationship, but there was that relationship that you had to walk through. And I believe the Lord has given me a word and I have entitled this sermon, When She Could No Longer. Any mothers in here ever ran into a season of life where you felt like, I just can no longer do this? No one, everyone in here, really strong people, right? Oh, thank you, Jesus. We got one honest, two, three honest people in this room. All right. Y'all, everyone else who raised their hands after that, y'all just followers, all right? Y'all are not leaders. Y'all need to step up to the plate. But how many moms in here have come to this point where, whether it be a day, like there's, so there's this, there, there's a macro view and there's a micro view that I want to talk about. Like the micro view is like at the end of the day, you've come to the point where you just can't anymore. Like I, 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 I can't. I'm touched out. I'm loved out. I've screamed out. I'm yelled out. I'm frustrated out. My kids have argued all day. My husband's been gone. And then when he got home, he went out onto the into the yard and started working because he wanted to work. But really, it was like, I need. To get, I ain't even going to go in that place because, eh. you know, he walked in. like, this is not a good place. Let's go mow, you know. Let's go mow the yard. I'm doing this for her. No, you're not. You're putting headphones in and getting like a two-hour vacation, you know. While mom's still in there wrangling kids, cooking dinner, whipping kids. I'm just like, ah, I'm good. I am want outside, all right? You need landscaping done? You wanted landscaping done last week. I'll go do that right now. Right? Where's my post hole diggers? I'll put a fence up all around this part, all around this house, you know? But maybe you're just, you're at the point, you've had those days where you just could no longer take it. Or maybe it's the macro view and you have kids that you can no longer take care of. Because they've grown up and now you're trying to figure out how do I be the mother of a kid who's not actually underneath of my house and underneath of my authority? How do I, how do I switch this dynamic, right? Because the parental, the motherhood dynamic changes throughout the years of a child, right? There's seasons of, of how do I parent? Do, am I the parent, the friend, the, the coach, the instructor? Uh, h- how do I do this? Right. And so there's there's all of these things where you get to the point to where you can no longer continue in the same vein you're in. Because something's got to change. And so I want to talk to you today from the story of a very well-known man by the name of Moses. If you have your Bibles with me, you can go ahead and be turning to Exodus chapter two. We're going to begin in verse one. But I want to read this scripture for you at the beginning so that we can have this as an umbrella to this entire sermon today. Mark chapter 10 verses 29 and 30 says this, Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. He said, look, I don't know if you've had to walk away from family for the gospel. I don't know if family has walked away from you because of the gospel. Either way, if you've lost that connection, there is a promise that you will receive more than what you had. Y'all remember the story of Job? Lost everything he had, then at the end, God replenished everything plus some. Right. And here's the thing I want to be very careful of because it says mothers and we're just we're going to hone in on that word because this is today. I'm not I don't think he's saying that someone replaces your mom. But I do believe that there are many different times in our life where different people come in and play that role in our life because of maybe the season we're in. Maybe you've had a mother-in-law be the mom that you didn't have. Right. Stepped into that place. And so the Lord is letting us know that regardless of if you've been left lacking in this physical world because of a lack of of a role in your life, motherhood, he's not going to leave you lacking. He will replace it. And we're going to see that in these texts. So if you will go with me to Exodus chapter two, verses one through three. And it says this, now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife, a Levite woman. And the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. Now, we're not going to go any further. I know some of y'all have already jumped ahead of me, but that's because it's up here. All right. But I want to stop right here. I want to give you some context. This is in the time where the children of Israel were in Egypt. Egypt was governing everyone. And they began to grow in population To the point to where the Pharaoh said, look, we got to do something about this. Because if the Hebrew people keep multiplying, they're going to outgrow us, and then they can overthrow us. And we can't have that. So the way that we stop a movement is by killing the children. Anybody following me today? The way that we stop the movement is by killing the children. But they didn't want to be as, you know... Genocidal as what uh, some have become, they said, "Let's just kill the men children. All the males we're going to kill them. We're going to throw them into the Nile." So this was a very dangerous time to bring a kid into the world. In fact, history teaches us that this man that it talks about here is—they believe—and it's said that he left his wife when he found out she was pregnant because it was too dangerous. Because here's the thing. They were going to come and kill if it was a boy. Let me ask you as a parent. Would you just willingly let them take your child? No, you're going to have to kill me too? And so the husband said, I ain't getting killed. mm Nope. You handle that on your own. So she was left to 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 carry this child in this dangerous, hard, threatening time by herself. And I wanna take a moment, and again I did this Wednesday and I, I'm not super You know, hyper-political, but I want to thank God for this mom who chose to carry this child and give birth to this child regardless of how hard the circumstances was, trusting that the child would become something great in the hands of God. I want to thank God for that. I want to thank God for my mother who carried me and said, okay, doesn't matter how things are. My life isn't great right now. I am going to give this child a chance. And she prayed a prayer when I was really little. God, don't let the things that happened in my life fall onto my kid. She did not concern herself greatly to the point to give up on me because of how bad the situation was. I thank God for mothers who stand and carry those children into the world regardless of what the world says. Now I'll get back down off of my political soapbox. But she, she had faith. This woman was an incredible woman. And even looking what might have been certain death on the behalf of her child, and because of her incredible strength and bravery to bring that child into the world, I believe she was willing to die for that child. Yeah. So she put her life on the line and said, if you come after my child, you have to go through me. And so she brought him into the world. And here's what I believe would happen. And again, I'm going to put one more toe back up on this soapbox for just a second. She, it said, the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child. You see, it wasn't until the baby came out. And that she was able to behold and see the wonder of who he was. I believe that if this world would, these, 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 this movement. I believe that if they would give chance for the baby to come, they too would see that this is a fine child, worthy of life. Now that's just something that we can't cower from, guys. This is not a position that we can back away from because we believe in the incredible sanctity of life because this kid should not have been born. This kid should not have made it. Everything was against this child. The fear of the parents, the fear of the government who sought to kill him had no reason to make it. But And if it had not been for an incredible mom, if it had not been for a faith-filled mom, if it had not been for a brave, strong, courageous mother, child would not have made it. So thank you, moms. Thank you, mom. Appreciate it. I'm kind of fond of being around. <laughs> Love this thing called life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> kind, of, kind of the stuff, you know? It's like my wife and I were, were uh, she. Uh, it's crazy. It's Mother's Day week, and yet I come home uh, Tuesday-ish, I think, or Thursday, and there's a card on the table that says husband. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is not Father's Day or Husband's Day. Although every day's husband's day. Um, <laughs> just kidding, kind of. Yay. Um, there's a card there. Yeah, humble, humble, humility. Uh, but uh, there's a card on the table, and I open it up, and it reads beautifully because she's awesome. And then on the back, when I close it, I saw another little PS, and it said, Can you believe how amazing our life is? And I was like, Honestly? every day, every day at some point, God reminds me of just how beautiful my life is. Just how beautiful my life is. I got an amazing wife, three beautiful kids, leading worship, praying and always seeking God and doing it. So I'm just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe I'm just super blessed right now. and just in a place of gratitude for what God is doing in my life. So I'm very thankful for the life I have. And it would not be that life if it wasn't for a mom who said, I'm going to bring this child into the world. And so I believe that if, if people could see once the life is born, they would see that, man, these children are beautiful and they have a hope and a future and a plan. And God has a vision for all of them. So all I want to say in that moment is that this woman named her name, her name is pretty hard to say. I hope I don't butcher it because I don't want to make, you know, mess up on Mother's Day on a mother's name. But her name was... Yacobed. Yacobed. J-O-C-H-E-B-E-D. That's the best I could say it. I'm sorry. I'm not a theologian, but that was her name. And you read it in chapter six, I believe you'll find her name. And she's mentioned with these midwives that we're getting ready to look at here in just a second. So I'm thankful for this mother who said, I want to carry this child and I'm going to make it count. And so here we go. She hid him for three months She hid him for three months, and when she could no longer hide him, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it in that B word and pitch. I'm not even going to say it. Sorry. She put the child in it and hid it among the reeds along the Nile. Now, here is what is so crazy. I love how things in the scripture, if you'll just take some time and go back, she could not hide him anymore. But yet she hid him, we're going to come back to that in just a minute, along the reeds, along the Nile. Now, know the next, next uh, s- slide, Caleb. In verse 22 of chapter 1, we find that Pharaoh issued the declaration that he commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile. So the very place... Where all the little baby boys were being killed was the place that the mother had to go and hide him. Now, I don't know about you, don't know about you, but if the thing that threatened the life of my child was this body of water where every other kid that was a male had been thrown into and killed and drowned, I would stay way away from it. You ain't gonna catch me near the Nile with my baby boy. It's not happening. Cause I feel like I'm just, you know, I'm closer to the danger. They find me with the baby along with the Nile. It's just a quick pitch in. So I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to hide him somewhere, we ain't going to the river. We're going to the mountain. We going to the mountain, son. We ain't getting near that river. You ain't even. You ain't allowed near water. You ain't bathing. You ain't. You ain't. Like, water is off limits to you. Okay because we ain't even getting near it. But the woman said, you know what? I'm gonna take him to the Nile. And here's what I want you to see, and I, I think we have it. Go to the next slide. She wasn't giving her son, giving up on her son. She was giving her son up to God. You see, she wasn't placing him and saying, I, I'm done. She was saying, all right, this is as far as I can go. Now I have to trust you, God. Now I'm putting him in the place where all these other children have been killed, trusting that you will sustain him. You know, I'm raising kids and I'm going to be sending them into the world. I'm going to be giving them out into society, knowing that society is destroying the lives of a lot of people. But as a parent, I try to do what she does. We try to do what she does. We try to hide them as long as we can. We try to put them in this bubble and wrap them up and say, no danger, no trauma, no trouble. As long as mom and dad are around, we're going to hold you in here. We're going to hide you and keep you safe. But eventually, they got to go out. They got to go out. Now, I don't want them to go. If 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 I could have my druthers, if there was a Christian commune that we could hide in, I know that sounds very cultish. I don't mean to sound that way. All right. But but if we can have like 120-some acres that we could build things on and, you know, build a I'm just saying, I would love to just stay there, you know, like if I could. But that's just weird and creepy and no one likes those people. So I don't want to be those people, okay? <laughs> so... It's like, it ain't taking my child around them people, you know? But, but I, would, I, I want to, my, my, my spirit man wants to run as far away from the world as possible, but I also know that if I trust God, If I believe that God has his hand on my child, then I can send them out faithfully believing that they're going to arrive at the destination that God has for them. This mother said, I get it. The water is the deathbed of the children of Israel. But I'm trusting that with God, what was once death can hold life to bring victory to the rest of the people. That was better than y'all responded. I'm not gonna lie. That was really good, and y'all just y'all let that moment go. You know what I mean? Like, y'all just, but but she said, "I gotta give him to the place that has taken so many people, believing that what I gi- uh, believing that what I am giving now can prevent the death of so many more." you realize her putting her son on death's river brought life to millions. It is the foreshadowing of Jesus that the thing that the Romans used to bring death to so many people, Mary had to give her son up to the cross in order to bring life to billions to our, to humanity. It it says more about the favor and the hand of God than it does the curse and the plans of man. That God's hand can correct the curse Amen. on man. Amen. 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 It's, it's just so beautiful. And so and so we come to this line, keep going. Go to the next one again that I really loved, and the Lord kind of really hammered home with me. And when she could no longer hide him, she had come to the place where she believed that what she was doing, she could not do anymore. And when, when I say the word hiding, all that means in this term, in this scene, is protecting, caring, because that's how she cared for her child, was hiding him right? Most of us aren't like that. In today's society, it's a beautiful thing to have a baby. And so you get to come out and celebrate with everybody. Look at my newborn baby. Look at how beautiful they are. They are just the most perfect things ever. And everyone dotes and everyone's just like, oh my God, this is crazy. Love the baby. And the mothers get to enjoy all of that. And they're like, I know, it. not the best? Isn't she the best? I know. Incredible. This mom didn't get any of that. She did not get to celebrate the birth of her child with anyone. In fact, it was the opposite. She had to hide it and act like it didn't happen. Could you imagine having a child and then having to act like it isn't here? It's not real. That would have been awful. What a burden to carry as a mom by herself with no father. Man, I can't, I can't, I can't post pictures on Facebook. I can't, I can't put out reels about how cool my kids are. I just got to hide them. What, what a, what a terrible, terrible thing for a mother who visioned all of what that child would be. Did y'all moms do that? I'm not, I'm I'm a dad. I I didn't, I don't know if I did that or not, but I know I'm asking, did y'all mothers, like when y'all were pregnant, did y'all make plans of what the baby was going to be? And Maybe what they could what they could grow up to be, and you know, mine's gonna be an astronaut and a doctor. And no, <laughs> mom and dad didn't get that lucky. <laughs> <laughs> they, got, they got a part-time pastor as a kid, you know, like woo, <laughs> proud of that, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, like you make all these plans and you don't get to share in them. She didn't get to share in them with her kid. She didn't get to be a part of him growing up. She got to be a part of the first part. We get to see in just a minute. But she had to give him up twice. Once is hard enough. Twice. Ooh. Man, that's rough. Right? But the Bible said when she could not hide him any longer, she made him this basket, and then she hid him among the reeds. And I was like, well, wait a second. It just said she couldn't hide him anymore. And then it says, well, she hit him again. And the Lord said, that's because she didn't realize. She wasn't done hiding him. She just needed to change the hiding spot. She just needed to change the hiding spot. You see, mothers, you're going to have to get to the point to where you have to change your hiding spot. Your kids are up underneath your wings and you're hiding them underneath your provision. You're keeping them safe underneath yourself. And then they'll come to the point to where you you can no longer do that. And it's not that you're out of options. It's not that you're out of being the parent who hides them. It's just now you got to hide them in a different spot. And what do I mean by that? Go to the next slide. I'm going to read y'all a couple verses. Change your hiding spot. Next slide. Psalms 31, 20 says, In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of man. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Psalm 32, and 7 are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. You see, it's not that you're out of moves. It's not that you can't hide them anymore. It's now it's time for you to hide them somewhere else. Now it's time for you to change the hiding spot and say, hey, I've kept you as long as I could. I've done everything I know to do. Now it's time for me to trust God. Now it's time for me to hide you along the reeds, up underneath the wings of Jesus, and say, hey, this is a much better better hiding spot than I could ever provide. Isn't this crazy? That actually the safer place for him was in the Nile? Isn't it crazy? That the safest place for him was in the Nile? Because the enemy doesn't look among dead people for living people. But the gospel says I need my living people to go be among the dead people. Go be a... Because... Ah, oh, this is so good. Reads in scripture are representative of the human condition. Mm-mm. That's why Psalm says that he, a bruised reed, he will not break. <laughs> oh, we're going to get somewhere today. He said, a bruised reed, he won't break. And he's referencing the reed as the human condition. The mother took Moses and hid him among the reeds, trusting that that man in the basket was going to help the reeds become everything God had for them to be. The enemy won't go looking for you among the dead. Why don't you change your hiding spot? Quit trying to hide within yourself and go out in the world and be somebody for Jesus and watch him protect you and your children. Amen? Come on, somebody. Change your hiding spot. Change your hiding spot. Don't be, don't be worried about that. The best place for that young man. You see, we've been talking, me and my wife, we've been talking, well, what's next for Jax? He's graduating fifth grade this year. He's going into middle school. And you know what we thought? We had this, we've had conversations. We said, uh, I don't like the educational system right now. It is not uh, something that I want to subject my children to. Um, I don't like public schools. Sometimes it can be dangerous. Um, But then we start talking. And you know what we come to the realization to? You know what we said to each other? But the school needs jacks. Mm -mm. No. No. No, but that's my boy. It's my job to protect him. No, Danny, you need to trust God. Change your hiding spot, son. Change your hiding spot. You trying to hide him under you. Hide him under Jesus. Put him out there among the reeds. Put him out there among the reeds, right? Because... Because as much as I want to protect him, I can't protect him the way Jesus can. I can't do it. Now, now this journey takes a, a detour with Moses, and I believe that the journey takes detours with us. But man, with God's hand on your children, you can put them in danger knowing God's going to keep them safe. It's hard, isn't it? That's hard, especially for mothers, especially for mothers. Us, us dads, we're a little different. Like, I'll get to us next month, right? You know, is it next month? It's June, right? I'm going to get on y'all next month, all right, y'all? It's weird. There's a difference in Mother's Day and Father's Day sermons. Mother's Day is all encouraging and loving and, and good. When we get to Father's Day, we're going to have hard conversations, dads, all right? Hard conversations, Okay. Mother's Day, we want to just lift and have just jubilant celebrations. Father's Day, it's like, all right, we're gonna do what fathers do. Bring out the belt, let's whip us into subjection, okay? <laughs> all right? You know what I mean? Well that's how we make it work, okay, as dads. But change your hiding spot. Because your kid the world needs your kid. The world needs you. Amen. The world needs you. And so now we've looked at moms, right? We looked at the mother here who did everything she could, came to the point where she could no longer, and then put him in the river and said, God, I trust you. Now we're going to come to this part where I think a lot of us can gain some uh, perspective from. She puts him in the river, and the little sister watches him, I can see her as she's kind of probably walking along the river with her little brother in there, trying to make sure he doesn't get too far away, doesn't go way out there. And then she could get him if something happens or something like that. But she watches him and she watches as he comes to a landing. And at this point, some women begin to make their way down to the river. And it's Pharaoh's daughter with these other servants of hers. And she comes up on the baby and she finds him. Now this is Pharaoh's daughter, the same daughter of the Pharaoh who made this declaration. Let's kill all the boy children. You would think this would probably be the most dangerous place that she could, that this baby could have ended up. Really? Really? I trusted you. I trusted the Lord. And now my baby ends up in Pharaoh's house the guy who's killing all these babies, this is where you land my son, right? Because there's a little bit of that in our humanity. All right, God, I trusted you with my child. Now it looks like they're crazy. All right, now it looks like the very thing I was worried about is happening to them. Any mothers ever been like that? Y'all ever have children? My mom, she's raising her hand. That was my son. Yep, yep. The Lord, what did you do? What happened to him, right? There was a time period where my mother was like, I don't know what got into him, right? He landed on Pharaoh's doorstep, right? And so there's a little bit of that frustration from a mom. Like, how did you end up? Why? I trusted you. I put him in the river and trusted you, Lord. And now he ends up on Pharaoh's. But here's the thing. Pharaoh's daughter finds him. And she opens the basket, pulls the baby out. And she says, this is a Hebrew baby. So she wasn't ignorant. She knew who he was, knew what child he was. Right? And at that point, she could have said, all right, take him to dad. Take him to dad. Let's get rid of him. I don't want dad to find me with one. He'll disown me. But she didn't do that, did she? She didn't do that. Why in the world would she not do that? Why in the world would this culture, with the, the society she was in, why would she choose the Hebrew boy over allegiance to her father? Because God has a way of turning the heart of man. When we can't do it, God will. You realize that he says in in Proverbs, I believe, he says that that God holds in his hand the heart of kings and Pharaohs and he turns it as he will. He shifts it as he will. And then we find out, we get to see it in action when Moses grows up and he comes back to Pharaoh. God begins to do whatever he wants with Pharaoh's heart. He could do whatever he wants. And so here's the daughter. I want to read these passages to you. Go to the next slide. And his sister stood at a different distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant women, and she took it. She took the, she took the basket and took it home. And here's what I want you to know. The most unlikely of places that Moses could have ended up, he found a mentor. He found someone else to step in the gap of where his mother once stood. It wasn't his mother and it wasn't anyone who he probably would have chosen to be his mother. It was somebody completely opposite of what he thought or they thought he was going to need, but he was exa- she was exactly what he needed. Well, ain't Danny, Why? That doesn't make sense. Didn't, why wouldn't he need, you know, to just be around his people? God knew that, Pharaoh, that Moses had a plan. Moses had a purpose. And in order for that purpose to be reached, he had to go to Pharaoh's house. Had to. Had to. He had to go from his mother to the enemy's house. Had to. Let me tell you something. I don't care where you're at right now. God has the ability to use everywhere you've been to shape and create and to fulfill your purpose. I don't care how hard it got. I don't care what the enemy said. I don't care what you're dealing with. God has the ability to take everything that you've gone through, even if you've been living in Pharaoh's house, has the ability to use that to help you accomplish the purpose that he set you out for. Amen. I want challenge your view of God too here. Sometimes he's the one who places you there. Sometimes he's the one who places you right in the middle of danger. Why? So you can watch the beauty of his provision. Man, you get to see the protection of God in a way that no one else gets to see. Man, I should not be alive in this house. This kid, this man, as he grew up in Pharaoh's house, should not be living, let alone living in the house of Pharaoh, let alone being raised to be the second in command of Egypt. Like none of it made sense. The Hebrew boy who should have been killed ended up at the house, raised in the house of Pharaoh and elevated to second in the nation. What? What? All because of mom. All because of a mom. I said, I'll carry him and I'll take it as far as I can. Mothers, you take it as far as you can. And then you give it over to God. Let me tell you something. Y'all moms, y'all got, look, I, I understand as best as I can as being a man. Look, I'm not crazy to this. All right. I know sometimes my friend sent me a, a TikTok video of this this guy talking about how you know the pastor's going to give up uh, give a sermon up here entitled "Motherhood from a Man's Perspective." Like I know that that's what this feels like a lot when you come to church on Mother's Day and you hear sermons about mothers. and It's like you're not even a mom. I get it. I'm not a mom. I can't I can't even speak on their behalf. But I can say some of the things that I've seen. I can see the struggles. I can see the areas in which my wife. If you're a husband who cares and loves your wife at all. You'll notice the things that mothers go through and you'll try to help and aid in any way possible. So I know from what I've seen, it, it, would, it would not be very uh, easy for a mother to just surrender their children, even if it is to the Lord. Even if it is to the Lord. Because we, we as parents, and then I believe mothers as well, have this innate feeling that if I can just hold on to them, I can protect them. If I can just keep them in my grip, you know, I I just, I just, if I can just walk around and just hold them all day long, you know, you know, any, anybody, helicopter parents, any helicopter parents in the room? I have a daughter. I'm that. Okay. With my little girl, I'm the helicopter parent. All right. With my little boy, she's the helicopter parent. <laughs> so, so I get it. Like, because we're constantly, what are you doing? Where are you going? How's it going? What are we doing here? You know, like I'm helping Carol. She's seven years old. I don't know why I help her get up in a seat. She can get up in a seat by herself. I don't know. I don't know why I'm always holding her hand as we're walking everywhere we go. I don't know. It's just a habit. Now now it's to the point to where as soon as I get out of the car, I'm snapping my finger. Just until she comes running. Right? <laughs> she's not a dog, but I figure, you know, trainer. You know. hey, hey, come here. You know, like, I don't know. It's just a habit of mine. And so I know that this idea, even spiritually saying it and, and trying to put it in context, it is not easy for mothers to just be like, all right, God, take my baby. And it's not true. We're just like, all right, you take one hand, I'll take the other. All right, God, you take left hand, I'll take right hand. Because that's what me and Karma do when we're out in the parking lot. All right, so honey, you get on that side, I'll get on the side. And we grab both hands, right? And then, of course, I got to swing and stuff. So I'm just like, all right, stop, 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 you know? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, But we try to do that with God. It's like, all right, God, you get on that side. I'll stay over here. I got this side, you got that side. And God's like, no, it's not the way this works. I-, I need you to just give him to me. I need you to just trust me. You, you can't have one hand here and one, and, and- nope, just got to let him go and let God. And So I know that that's hard, but this is what this mother had to do what this mother had to do and she didn't realize that what was going to happen. And so without this mom being in his presence, being around this son, somebody else had to fill the gap. And here's why I want to take recognition of different kinds of moms. Step moms. Maybe you're the only mother that that kid will ever know. It's not your biological baby. It's no longer with their, you know, their real moms kind of let them go, you know? But you've stepped into the void. And you are now that mother figure. Maybe you're an adopted parent. Maybe you're a foster parent. You're still a mom. To that kid, you're a mother. Mother is not just blood. Mother is caring, providing, protecting, loving, nurturing. Like all of those things is what consists of my. So I want to take a, an opportunity this moment to say, I don't care what kind of mom you are, Real, like biological mom or birth mom, adopted mom, foster mom, stepmom, uh, mother-in-law, whatever it is you're still that mother to that person. You're still that mother to that person who needs to see that in their life. I don't care if you've come into their life when they're older, still be the mom that you're supposed to be for that kid. Because Pharaoh's daughter didn't give birth to Moses. But if we go to the next slide, I believe, if I got it right, and when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's house because this Pharaoh hadn't, Pharaoh's daughter hadn't had a baby, so she couldn't nurture the baby. She couldn't feed the baby. And so the daughter, uh, Moses' sister, was so close, she ran up to Pharaoh's daughter and said, hey, you want me to find you a Hebrew person to take care of the baby? Pharaoh's daughter didn't know that it was Moses' sister. He said, yeah, go find me somebody. Who do you think she went and got? Moses' mama, you know? <laughs> She came running, mama, guess what? Bubba's home, bringing him back home. You know, We get to keep him for a little while as long as you know. But then when the child got old enough, when she had weaned him, she brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter. Man, I don't know about you, but wouldn't that have been so hard? Once once that the baby got back to me, I would have said, oh, this is a sign from God. I'm supposed to take this baby and run. Huh? I don't know about y'all. I'm just reading in, I'm reading into some humanity here, okay? Because these are still people. This is still a mom who gave her baby up and now the baby comes back into her house and she's like, oh, let's go. Pack everything, we're leaving. I have to believe. I have to believe because I have to think that these are still humans and they're not just like super crazy spiritual people that they're like me. God would have had to stop me. God would have had to shown up and said, no, 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 no. I need you to stay to the plan. Don't run with the baby. Feed him, let him grow, and then take him back. I got a purpose for him. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me, Lord? Are you joking? You brought him back. I want to keep him. Okay, you do. I'm I'm giving you more time with him because he needs you to train him as he grows into the knowledge of who his God is. He understood that during the formative years, he needed to be around his mother so that his mother could teach him about Yahweh, so that his mother could teach him about the God of Israel, so that his mother could feed him from her breast while also teaching her from her spirit and her heart, saying, you need to remember who you are. You are a Hebrew of Hebrews. You are a child of God. You are chosen by Yahweh. Stand in that. And so he had to be raised like that. That's why God brought him back to her. It wasn't to disrupt the plan. It was to give more education to what the plan was. But some of us parents sometimes we're more concerned about protecting our our children than we are instilling godly values into our kids. We won't teach them the hard things of the Christian walk. We want to protect them from it like I do with my son, I want to keep him out of school to protect him, but he needs to go walk among the people, be the light of the world. Who in the world would light a candle and then hide it under a bushel? That's what I have. I have a candle and his name is Jackson Caroline. And I got to stop trying to hide him under a bushel in a basket and say, get out there and show the world those kids what it means to love God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That's not easy. But she gave him back to Pharaoh's daughter. And this is the hardest thing I've ever saw in scripture for a mother to go through. She brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. What? No, 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 he's my son, right? Jacob was like, no, 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 he's my son. And God says, okay, listen, he needs a different kind of mom right now. And he's a different kind of mom. And she named him. She who named him? Pharaoh's daughter? The mama didn't even name him? He got his name from the enemy's house. And the enemy would live in fear of that name later on. In that while, like that, just that just made me so happy when I thought about that the other day. I was like, you gave him a name that all of Egypt would live in fear of. Like they would look back and uh, not just be like, oh, that man. You gave him the name. You housed him. You raised him, and you didn't even know that under your house was your undoing. You see, the enemy didn't know that with Jesus, that 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 him was going to be the undoing of the kingdom of the world, and he doesn't understand that you, me, the church is the undoing of his rule. He didn't realize it, but he became her son and she raised him. Mentors from moms to mentors, people who step in and fill in the gap. I mean, let me, let me tell you something. I don't care how old you are in here, how many kids you've had, what age of life you're in, at any moment in time, someone is going to be looking to you as a mentor. Someone is looking at you. Moms, you quickly become grandmothers. Then you got a whole new set of people who are watching you. I'm not going to lie. I know my kids love me. I know my kids love their mother. But I'll be daggone if they don't love their grandma too. I mean, I'm talking just like <clears throat> adore their grandmothers. You know what I mean? And so they are constantly looking at you too. So don't think that just because your kids now have kids that, now you're still a mom. You're still a mom. A grandmom. That's like even better than a mom, you know? You know, if anyone adds the word grand in front of a word, it's like, ooh, it's even better, you know? <laughs> this is a grand building, you know? Like, this is a grand meal. Like, yeah, this is excellent. You know, but for some reason, grandmothers take that to be the opposite. You know, it's like, don't call me grandmother, call me mamaw, me meme, me, mip, mip. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what you call. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just, there's some weird names out there, okay? You know? I just think yeah, yeah. I just think y'all are some grandmothers. Like y'all are some awesome people, okay? Hey, Amen. Give them grandmothers a hand clap, right? You know, like y'all. Y'all been doing it a while. I wrote this down for y'all. Moms, next slide, K-Bob. Moms of all kinds make the difference. Make all the difference. You know, I have a wonderful mom. I've had a wonderful mom for all my life. But I've also had other women at different times in my life, whether it be because, you know, we're living in a different place and we're not always around my parents, But there was always someone that came into my life who filled in some of those moments in my life. And so don't underestimate your value in the life of people, even though you may not be their moms. God still has a plan for you in their life. Now go with me to Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. And we're going to finish right here. Joshua, you can come. So we've talked about moms, we've talked about mentors, and now we're going to move into this next thing because raising children, I said it at the beginning, raising children is all about putting into them and then creating the demand to pull out of them what is needed. Moms are excellent at that. My mom put into me self-confidence by how she loved me and told me, you're, you're awesome, you're You're smart, you're brave, you're strong. But one of the greatest things my mom and dad ever said to me over and over again is God's got a plan for your life. God's got a plan for your life. God's gonna use you. Don't you think that Moses' mom during those formative years when she was nurturing that baby was telling him, hey, look, son, I'm taking you back to Pharaoh, but God's gonna use you. Right? Not only was she telling him about who his God was, she was telling him about who his God is and what he has for him to do and just how incredible he was going to be. Do you know that when Mary was told she was going to have Jesus, she went to her, her cousin Elizabeth's house and they began to talk and they began to say all these great things about her baby. Man, your baby's going to be the savior of the world your baby's going to redeem all mankind. He's going to be incredible. And the Bible says that this mother stored up in her heart all these things. She stored them up. Like she just put them in a little little box in here and just kept them safe. So that as the baby grew and life got harder and She saw her son enduring hardships and being ridiculed and and being uh, uh, ostracized and and being told all these things about and then being chased and tried to be arrested and eventually killed. Like She she had to keep inside of her this, but God said, he's going to change the world. He's going to be the difference. He's going to be the savior of all mankind. I have to store these up so that I can lean on them. I have to glean from them because life's not always going to be kind to my baby. Life's not always going to treat your children wonderfully. Humanity sometimes is going to be mean. But what you can't do is you can't always be there. But you can always be the prayer behind the person. You can always keep inside. God told me that He has a plan and a purpose for my child, and that if I would raise them in the admonition of the Lord, then when He's older, it won't depart from Him. It's gonna hold on to Him. I gotta store this up because I have to believe that He's gonna be something. She's gonna be something, and God's got Him. I gotta keep it. And so I can't help but think that Moses' mom was the same way. Like I said, I believe God had to talk to this woman. There is nothing that could convince me differently that Jesus didn't show up say, I know this is hard, but keep, keep going. He's going to be the savior of your people. He's going to lead your people out of Egypt. He's going to set the captives free. He's going to be the voice for the voiceless. He's going to be the standard that everyone looks at because for all of history, for the rest of Israelite history, they looked at Moses as the benchmark of greatness. In fact, they still do because they don't recognize who Jesus was. Israelite people don't recognize Jesus as the son of God. They keep looking back to Moses even to this day. That's how great Moses was. So I believe Jesus was coming down and visiting Jacob and saying, hey, I know it's hard, but he's going to be great. I got a plan. It isn't always going to be good. It's It's going to be hard. This world's going to be mean to him. They're going to chase him down. They're going to try to take him out. How many knows? Let me, I probably shouldn't do this. It's not a good Mother's Day part. I'm going to go ahead and let you in on something. The enemy from day one is trying to take your kid out. From day one. Actually, from before day one, the enemy is trying to take the kids out. I don't know why I keep going. I'm telling you, God has stirring something in my heart about these little babies, okay? I can't get away from it right now because I look at them all over the place that we got in this church, and I understand the plan and the purpose, and then I see Moses being raised in a place where he shouldn't have been raised. I mean, my gosh, if the church can't stand up and be the backbone, if we can't stand up and declare life, if we can't stand up for people who can't yet stand up for themselves, what are we doing? just believe God had to keep reinforcing. And then there comes this moment in Moses' life from moms to mentors to moments. Moments help raise kids. Moments help raise kids. When you meet a moment in your life, that pulls something out of you that you didn't know was there. You didn't realize you even had on the inside of you. But thank God for the mother and the mentors who put it there. That way when the moment came, it could come forth. Moses, watch this. One day when Moses had grown up, he's grown up. He's a big boy now. He went out to his people and he looked at their burdens. This guy, had been raised in the house of Pharaoh for years and still was able to go out and see who his people actually were, his people. He had not adopted Egypt as his people. He still held the truth of who he was. You see, that's the way the enemy will take your children out. They will. He will deceive them of the truth of who they are. He will tell them, you're in Egypt. You're an Egyptian. But if you raise your children and teach them, you can live in Egypt every day. But you're a Hebrew. You are a child of God. I don't care how long you live in this world. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what they've told you. You are not them. You are a child of God. You are an heir with Jesus. You are the sanctified, called out, chosen people. Remember who you are. So Moses comes out. He looks at his people and he sees the burden. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. And he looked this way and that way, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Moses saw someone beating one of his people. And instead of the fear, he remembered, I was put among the reeds, the bruised and the broken, for a reason. And I believe he remembered everything his mother said. Hey, son. You're going to get older. They're going to try to tell you who you are. But remember, you're not that. Remember, you're there for a reason. God's going to use you. That's why it's so important, parents, that every night before you put your child to bed, tell them God loves you and God's got a plan for you. God's going to raise you to be a mighty man and mighty woman of God. You are going to lead people to the throne. You're going to lead people to Jesus. Don't you let this world convince you that you're this. Don't you let the world tell you that you're nothing. Don't you let the world tell you that you have to be this way. You are not Egypt. You're God. So remember that. That way when they encounter this, they can walk out and say, "No, no, 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 no. I know who I am. I know why I'm here. I know what God wants from me. I will stand when everyone else falls and I will be their friend. I will be their safety. I'll be the reason people see Jesus you can tell your kid all day long you can be anything you want to be and that's a beautiful testament but the greater testament is like you can be anything God wants you to be you can be all God wants you to be you don't have to live half of a victorious life you can have everything God has for you me and my wife I went to ask her, okay, what can I talk about? Because my wife has this beautiful testimony and that's for her to share. But what I will tell you is this, is that if you look at her past and her history, she should not be where she's at. Because she was left, but someone stepped in. But someone stepped in. And then there was this moment about 11 years ago where she was met with the opportunity. Do I stand up and be something I've never really seen? Or do I not? And that's when our little boy was born. She stepped into motherhood with all the grace and dignity and strength that anyone could have ever stepped into it with even, even without having perfect examples. Now she's the example to my kids. She met a moment and that moment pulled out of her something she didn't realize was there. You're sitting in this room today. This is your moment. God has ordained this moment for you to say, hey, there's something in you that I need to come out. There's a plan and a purpose that the world has sought to destroy, but there's been people along the way putting you in the position you've needed to be in and you didn't even notice it. But now here's a moment. You'll have to stand, stand up, look to the left, Look to the right and make a choice. Will I step into my calling? Because this was Moses stepping into his calling. This was the first step of him separating himself from Egypt so he could become the leader and the salvation of Israel. So I want to celebrate moms and mentors and moments But I also want you to know that this is your moment to step into the calling of God in your life. Because maybe you feel like you've been left in the reeds. Maybe you feel like you've been left, but you have not been left. You have not been left. The creator of heaven and earth has sent to you this moment to raise you up much like moms. Much like moms. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know if motherhood is hard right now or maybe you're just really going through some emotional distress because of your mom and her either not being here or things being tight or whatever it is. But I want you to know that there is a God in heaven who loves you and has orchestrated your entire life to this moment so that you could be here May 8th, 2022, to hear about the incredible provision of God in the life of a kid and see the same hand moving in your life.